All right, you should be getting your handouts now. And the handouts today is why praise is powerful. I have a, a Bible lesson I want to teach on here tonight that I feel like is going to be a blessing to all of us. And uh, I want to take some time here and talk to you in regard to these truths that we have here for you here <clears throat> tonight. Praise God. Everybody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. God love you. Praise the Lord. This is what you are being handed out to right now. And I will put this on the screen. And we'll back it off a little bit here. Yeah, let me back it off a little bit more. All right. And that's, uh, let me go a little stronger, get a good focus on it. Now, if you can't see that, uh, you, of course, have one in your hand. Everybody have a handout? Is anybody lacking one? Okay. Trust that you all do. Praise the Lord. Praise is a wonderful thing. We're going to talk about it tonight here and get right into our Bible lesson. Talk to you about praise. I want you to begin with me here by going to Luke chapter 19. And uh, Luke records this, Matthew records it, Mark record, records it. And it's where Jesus was going into Jerusalem uh, just a week before he was crucified. And uh, he had fulfill some prophecy in the sense that he was riding on a donkey and it was a donkey in the coat of a donkey. The way Jesus sat on the donkey was that he sat on the donkey like sat on the donkey and then there was a coat to the donkey that hugged the donkey and his leg went out over beyond beyond that, that the coat so that he was covering both the coat and the very unusual situation, but it was prophesied in the Bible that Jesus would come into Jerusalem or that the king of kings, the king of, of, uh, of Israel would come in like that. And uh, so this is what this prophecy is all about. I'm going to read this scripture to you here. And uh, this is where it's being fulfilled, that prophecy was. Verse 37, everybody with me, 37, 38 here we're reading. When he was come nigh or near, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, he was on the east side of the Mount, the Temple Mount, and he was going down into the valley, the Kidron Valley, and then back up into the, into the Temple Mount itself and into the city. Uh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that he had, that they had seen and this is what they were saying 37 blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the lord peace in heaven and glory in the highest and they were magnifying him praising him and glorifying him and magnifying the name of the lord that was indeed the will of god i'm going to add to that a scripture that's found over here in romans 15 this is where paul was writing and he talks about us Gentiles praising the Lord. This is what he says in 15.9, in Romans 15.9. 
and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, for this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. Verse 11, and again, these are different scriptures in the Old Testament that he's referring to. And again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. So we're starting out here by talking to you here about a couple of places in the New Testament where it talks about, first of all, that it's God's will that we praise him. And the second point is that we Gentiles, it is also referred that we Gentiles would be praising God, should be praising God, and would have the opportunity to praise him. Amen. Now, I'm going to start, if you'll look at the very first one, and this is the history of praise. I want you to look at this. This may come as a shock to a lot of you, but this number one here, the, the history of praise, and if you look at A, look at this very quickly with me. The history of praise, A. Praise is found twice, only twice, in the entire book of Genesis. Think about that. Praise, that is, you know, praising God is only found twice. And uh, I'm going to show you the two verses that it's found in. And if you'll go with me first to Genesis 29, this was Leah. This was the wife of Jacob. She was the... Uh, older of the two sisters and and not as pretty as so so the bible lets us understand as the younger sister uh, jacob worked for seven years for the younger sister and his father-in-law tricked him and gave him the older sister he said no no this is not the one i work for he said well i'll tell you what i'll go ahead and give you the younger sister with her you'll have both sisters i give her as a wife to you as well and you just work with me for me for another seven years so he did that. Well, as it happened, he loved Rachel more than he did Leah. But Leah turned out to be the one to be the most fruitful. Jacob and all finally had 12 sons, and Leah was the one who gave birth to half of those. And Rachel only gave birth to two, and the youngest and the second one, she died in giving the birth. But Leah here in this 35th verse she gives birth to Reuben in 32. She gives birth to Simeon in 33. And in 34, she gives birth to Levi. This is Leah now, the older of the two. And then uh, verse 35 says that she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, now will I praise the Lord. Now you see that? Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah and left off bearing. At this point, she didn't bear anymore for a while, and then later on, she bore two other, two other sons. Now, the reason I'm telling you all of this is because I, I want you to see here that she finally felt like she had a reason to praise the Lord. I'm going to give God the praise, and I'm going to name uh, this fourth son Judah, which, is, which means praise. Praise means Judah. Judah praise in, in Hebrew. And uh, so the word Judah means praise. And she said, I'm going to, uh, now I can praise the Lord. My question in my mind is, before that, she had no reason to praise the Lord? She says, now will I praise the Lord. In other words, this is the first time that I've had a real reason to praise the Lord. That's what the implication is. 
Well, it's ironic that there's no place else where it talks about anybody praising the Lord in the book of Genesis until you get over here in chapter 48 and you're coming to the very end of the book of Genesis. This is where uh, the Jacob is an old man. He's down in Egypt with all of his, his, uh, his, his, his sons and all about the, all 12 of them. And, uh, and they had one daughter as well. They were all down in, down in, uh, uh, down in Egypt. And uh, it comes time that he knows, Jacob knows that he is going to be leaving them. He's going to die. And before he does, he decides, not decides, God moves on him to prophesy about each one of these tribes, what kind of tribe they would be, what kind of people they would be. So he starts in verse 49, I won't read them, but all the way down he talks about these different ones and about what they'll be like, what they'll be and so forth. Finally, verse eight, look at this one. Judah, thou art he whom thy brothers shall praise. This is the second time that the word praise appears in the book of Genesis. And he's all, again, it's about Judah. And this is his name, Judah, thou art he whom thy brothers shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. He's prophesying here. I'm jumping to verse 10, winding it up with that. The scepter, that's the thing that the kings hold in their hands. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. And of course, this is a prophecy concerning Jesus Christ coming, who Jesus Christ came through the tribe of Judah. And of course, uh, thing from that generation, that lineage. Now, what I've showed you here is that uh, praise was not found anywhere in the book of, of, uh, of, of Genesis at all. Now, go to B here on your notes. Go to B. Stay with me on this for a few minutes till we get into it. Praise is mentioned only four places in all the law books. Notice that. Praise is mentioned only four places in all the law books. That's uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's what God gave Moses to give to the children of Israel. There were a series of commandments and, and testimonies and how to live, how not to, what not to do, what to do, and so forth. And the Lord said, if you'll obey these commandments, I'll bless you and I'll be with you. But praise is only mentioned four times. You're welcome to go check it out in your in your, uh, your commentaries, however you want to do it, but this has already been done, and I'm telling you the truth. But pray, the word praise is just not found in, the, in those law books. Look at C here. Look at C. This is why. The Old Testament was a covenant, an agreement. That's what a covenant is, an agreement between two people, or between this was between God and a nation. The Old Testament was a covenant. In fact, the word testament means covenant. Old covenant is Old Testament. And it was an agreement. Those under the, the, the covenant benefited from the covenant. If they lived according to it, obeyed it, kept the word, they, they benefited from it, they prospered, uh, they were blessed in all the ways that God promised that he would bless them. In many ways, he promised them. If you'll keep my commandments, obey my word, follow the, the uh, truth that I'm giving you here and live for me and walk with me. I will bless you and I'll be with you and keep my hand on you. But 
this is the second part of C here, the second sentence. But praise is an act of appreciation and adoration to the covenant maker for the covenant. This is what praise is, is all about. Praise is being thankful for, to the covenant maker. That's God. God is the one who made the covenant. That's that Old Testament. He told uh, Moses, tell this to the children of Israel. I'll bless you. You do this, you do that, and I will bless you. And praise is praising the covenant maker for the covenant. Saying, God, I thank you for the covenant that you've given us. I thank you for that word that you've given us. I thank you for all those commandments and so forth. And so this is what it was all about. But praise is an act of appreciation and adoration to the covenant maker for the covenant. Apparently, the Jews never picked up on the fact that it was also a good thing to praise God for the law that was given them. What happened with them as they went along and they finally got into Canaan's land and they started living in the land that God gave them, they became so preoccupied with just being prosperous and being blessed and having a lot and making, you know, making money and getting wealthy and they were a farm and, and, and herds and things like that. They were prospered. They were very successful in all those things, very prosperous and all those things, but they failed failed to worship the Lord. They never did that. And the book of Judges is an interesting book. The book of Judges is like a roller coaster. Israel was faithful to God. God would bless them. And then they'd get into a down cycle. They'd go down, they'd get in the valley, and the Lord would cause another one of those heathen tribes to overrun them and conquer them and put them into captivity and prison and things like that. They're all right there in Canaan's land. And uh, then they'd start praying, calling on God. God, we're sorry, we repent and everything, and God would bring them back out of it. So when you read the book of Judges, this is what these judges were. They were people that God would raise up and use from over and over and over. And you read about it all through the book of Judges. And if you read the Bible through last year, you know uh, how interesting that book can be. The book of Joshua is, is a little bit like that. Judges is more so with it and everything. And then you get into these other uh, books and so forth that the Bible has that follows behind the judges and so forth. Now, we come to David. When David is born 500 years before the law is given, David comes along. Now, look at number two here. I want to show you something. Number two, David discovered the power in praise while discovering the wonder of God's word. Now, it was not enough to say, okay, the Lord says, thou shalt not, and thou shalt, and okay, uh, don't do this, don't do that. Uh, do this and do it this way. This is the way you're supposed to do it, and everything. But David began to see the beauty in the Word of God. He began to see everything about the Word of God was beautiful. It was gorgeous. It was, it was great. You see, he was a, a young shepherd boy. He was, uh, I think he was the eighth son of Jesse. He was the youngest. And he was sort of discounted and sort of put on the back burner and says, go take care of the sheep. And he'd go out on the backside of uh, the pasture lands and he'd take care of the father, his father's sheep. And while he was taking care of his father's sheep, he would read the word of God. And what David began to see was that in the word of God was measures and there was there was places where it was looking out for people who were disadvantaged. 
And he said, that's great. God is really good to do that. For instance, he said, when you farm the lands and you have planted everything and you go back to harvest, he said, don't, when you come up into the corners, circle in like that and leave the corners full. The corn or wheat or whatever beans you've got on there, just leave them like that. And when you get through harvesting, harvest one time over and then leave the whole field and those corners full of beans or, or corn, whatever it is. And whoever wants to go in there and pick beans and corn and peas and, and, uh, and wheat or rye or whatever barley they ever had, they could do it and it was no trespassing. They wasn't going in somebody else's field and picking their crops. And it was for the widows and it was for the... Uh, it was for the orphans and the disadvantaged people. And David would see that and he'd say, God, you're great. How wonderful of you to think of those kind of things. And the Bible is filled with those kind of situations that David began to see. And the more he saw about in the word of God like that, the more he began to worship God and glorify God and the more he began to worship and glorify God, the more he began to feel the presence of the Lord and the Spirit of God, that God would respond but from praise into his heart. Praise the Lord. Anyone who will begin to praise the Lord will begin to feel a response from God where God will send some kind of a feeling in your heart or your soul that I'm hearing what you say. And David got it off on the word of God. Now I'm going to go a little bit further. If you look at part two here, I'm going to show you some more detail about David doing this. And this is, uh, David discovered the power in praise while discovering the wonder of God's word. Look at A. Look at A. Psalms uh, 119. This is where he discovered the power. Psalms 119 is a very interesting psalms, incidentally. Uh, it's the longest chapter in the Bible, and uh, the head of each group of in one's nineteen is is one of the alphabets of the of the Hebrew language. All twenty two letters of the Hebrew language are in this Psalm of one nineteen, and they are at the head of eight verses. Every eighth verse is a new letter. It goes all the way through. Uh, and it's a very interesting uh, chapter here, and it goes all the way through. In the course, 18 times 22 comes up to 176 psalm verses that you have there, and uh, this is what David would begin to write about it, talk about it. And uh, Aleph here uh, is that first one, the first letter. I'm not going about the letters here, but this is where that you can talk about the letters and find out about the Hebrew letters and so. But very interesting. There's a much that can be said about Psalms 119. But look at Psalms 119 and verse 10. With my whole heart have I sought thee. This is David talking about God. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. He's talking about the word now. Verse 11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Look at verse 16. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. These are the words of David now. And of course, these were things he was discovering when he was beginning to read and study and look at the word of God in every facet and every detail of it. Verse 24, 
Thy testimonies also are my delight, verse 24, are, are my delight and my counselors. Jumping over to verse 47 and 48. I would delight myself in thy commandments which I have loved. Notice David's love for the word here. He loves the word of God. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments which I have loved and I will meditate in my in my statutes, in thy statutes. Uh, jump it over here to, to uh, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. David was finding all these beautiful things about the word of the Lord. Jumping to verse 127. Therefore I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Verse 128. Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. Jumping over to verse 160 here. 160, winding it up. I'm going to read 160 and then 161. Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. But 161, princes have persecuted me without a cause, but... My heart standeth in awe of thy word. So I'm pointing out to you here that David lets us realize and understand in this 119th Psalm how much he came to value the word of God. And while nobody was looking and nobody knew it, David was out there on the backside of the, sometimes the backside of the desert, sometimes just the backside of pasture lands with his sheep. Sometimes it was in daytime, sometimes it was at nighttime, but he'd read passages in the word and he would praise God and glorify God and magnify God. Folks, at a time when nobody else was praising God. Nobody. Everybody was busy about trying to make money. They were busy how to cut the corners. They were trying to figure out how to do it, you know. Like the Lord said, every seven years, let the land rest. Don't even plow it every seven years, let it rest. And the crops will come back on their own. And what comes back will be enough. And this, the, the, the sixth year will be enough to take you through the seventh year. Let the land rest. Well, some of them said, why let it rest? We'll grow some stuff on the seventh year. And they started doing that. And they started breaking the law of God. You see what I'm talking about? They were always looking for a way to break the law of God. But not David. They found out later uh, in, in our modern day America that if the farmers would let their lands rest ever so often, that the lands would keep producing longer in the long run. How many of you know that? All right, I see in a bunch of hands. And they discovered that. They found that out. And so that's why they started putting land in, in banks and so forth. That's where the government started paying some of these farmers just to let their lands rest. They found that out. Well, God knew that way back here. And he told Israel, if you'll do it, you'll be blessed for it. But Israel said, no, no, if it'll grow crops on, in six years, it'll grow crops on the seventh year. So they would break the laws and break the rules and so forth and everything. That's just one thing. And David, though, when he saw the word of God like this, he said, wow. He said, God is mighty. God is great. His word is so perfect, it covers all the bases. And he just could not get over how powerful the word of the Lord was. Praise the Lord. So David, this is B now be here. David, let me move this right here. 
David learned that God responds to praise. When he started praising God, the Lord began to respond to him for that. He could feel the glory of God. He could feel the power of God. He could feel the blessings of God. And he would just get happy and he'd just, just rejoice. And he thought, boy, when I start praising the Lord, God starts responding to that. The word praise, look at this next part now, part B. David learned God's res- that God responds to praise. The word praise is found 164 times in Psalms. And David wrote most of those Psalms. He didn't write all of them, but he wrote most of them. And it's found 164 times in the book of Psalms. Isn't that something? Two times is found in Genesis. Four times uh, is found in the, in the, in throughout the, the uh, uh, I, I wanted to say here the Old Testament, but it's the, the law books. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Four times. That's four books, and, and it get equaled out one time in each one of those books. It's amazing. And you get to the book of Psalms, and it's found 119 times in one book. Praise the Lord. What I'm trying to show you here is that David discovered the power of praise. No wonder, folks, that God told uh, Samuel, no, these other sons of Jesse is not the one you want. They're not the right one. Well, this is my best I got right here. You don't have no other sons? Well, yeah, I got the youngest one. He's out there on the backside of the desert. It's certainly not David. Yeah, he said, go bring him in. It's not none of these. That's what Samuel was saying to Jesse. Go bring him in. Well, David's been out there in touch with God. Do you understand what I'm saying? If we can learn the power of praise, folks, praise is a powerful thing. Praise the Lord. And David was learning that out there. And nobody knew that he was learning that. He said, if you'll praise God, if I, I can just praise the Lord. They brought him in and anointed him to be the next king. And then said, okay, now you can go back taking care of your sheep. <laughs> he did. Praise the Lord. Until his father called him one day to tell him to take some, some, uh, some uh, bread and food down to see his brother, see how they're doing in the battle, and, and take some food down there to him and everything. And he went down there thinking he's going to see everybody in battle and uh, lo and behold with us Goliath. And I won't get into that story. And we had talked about that last week even. But I'm just trying to tell you here today that David understood that God would respond if you would praise him. And he had that confidence about him. God is with me. God is on my side. God is in my heart. God will not fail me. Praise the Lord because it's all through the word how God will do all of these kind of things. Now let me move on here a little bit. Uh, I'm going to go to part C here a minute. And this is something that's very interesting here. Uh, As king, he made Psalms a prime objective. Now, Psalms reveals a little bit about uh, David's understanding about Psalms. Uh, If you have your Bibles there, and I've got this in Psalms 150. If you have your Bibles there, just turn to Psalms 150 for just a moment here. And uh, this is the last Psalm in the Bible. The reason I've chosen this is because the whole... The whole psalm is about praise. I'm going to read it to you, 150. Praise ye the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in the firmament of his power, praise him for his mighty acts, praise him according to his excellent greatness, praise him with the sound of the trumpet, praise him with the psalter and the harp, praise him with the timbrel and dance, 
Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. That whole psalm is just about nothing but praise the Lord. If you had, if, if that was the only one here, there'd be a powerful psalm here, that, this 159th psalm. <clears throat> Years ago, my, uh, we had a, uh, a lady in our church that passed away, and uh, she was uh, from the country, from the state of Georgia. And uh, we had to go up to her funeral, I'd go up there. I had to speak on the funeral, and my wife would, was to uh, sing. And uh, my wife, and some of you don't know this, but she used to play an accordion, you know, sing. We, we did duets together, and she played the accordion, and we sang together in duets, so forth. Anyhow, she took her accordion along, and when we got to this church, we're out in the country where this woman was going to be, uh, have the funeral and to be buried outside the side of the church there. This church was an old church that her family had been in, and they did not believe in any music instruments in the church. So we were told ahead of time, you know, you better have your own music instruments. No music instruments in the church. Can't have any music instruments in the church. Wow. Look at this. Praise him mightily. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and the harp. I'm reading verse 3. Verse 4, praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and the organs. What? And this little church is saying you can't have any music instruments in the church. And I know other churches that have the same system. They don't believe in any music instruments. And yet the Bible's telling me to praise him with these music instruments. Praise the Lord. Well, I'll just leave that for whatever it's worth. But I'm just pointing out to you here that here in Psalms, I'm going to go backwards here. Look at 49.1. 1.49.1, brother. 1.49.1 Psalms. Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of the saints. Verse 3. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and the harp. Praise God. I'm jumping back over here to, to, to Psalm 148. I'm going backwards here. Praise the Lord, ye, uh, pray, uh, praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Verse 2, praise ye him, all his, all his angels. Look at that. Praise ye him, all his hosts. Praise ye him, sun and moon. Boy, David's really getting carried away here. Praise him, all your stars of light. Verse 4, praise ye, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that are above be above the heavens. Verse 5, let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, <coughs> and they were created. In other words, he's worthy of praise because he exists, because he commanded and they were made. And now even the heavens let them praise him. Down in verse 11, I'm jumping down there real quick. Kings of the earth and all the people, princes and all the judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. What I'm showing you here is that David, praise the Lord, began to just praise God and worship the Lord. And he found something in God about that that nobody else had discovered because they had never learned to praise the Lord. I'm telling you, David is worth, and that's why God said he's a man after mine own heart. That's why the Lord said that when we get into Palestine one day, that you're going to put my 
my tabernacle in a certain city. And later he would say, praise the Lord, he never told them where to put that tabernacle, never told them. Later he said that David is my man and David will tell you where to put that, that tabernacle. That's that tabernacle of praise. One more verse here. This is 146, uh, 1 and 2. Praise ye the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Everything it goes on and on, talks about these praises that we give unto the Lord for all things. Now, I want you to go with me here. This is where David began to make a turn. When he became king, I want you to go to part C here. As king, he made praise a prime objective. This was known as the tabernacle of David. Now go to 1 Chronicles 16.4 in your Bibles. 1 Chronicles 16.4. This is, this is what David did. Now let me show you the tabernacle here. When David finally got to Jerusalem and uh, he said, let's bring the tabernacle from Shiloh now up here to, uh, uh, to Jerusalem. And this is, this is the tabernacle plan. This is just an artist's drawing of it, of course. And uh, this, this was an outer enclosure of it. I'm just giving this to you for just illustration here. This was the, uh, the gate at which they went into. They made sacrifices here at the brazen altar. Right here was a laver of water. And every priest, before he would go into the tabernacle itself, he had to wash himself. And they had duties, and they would light the candlestick every morning, every, every evening, and they'd put it out in the morning. Then they had showbread here. Every day they put a new uh, loaf of bread, 12 loaves of bread on this showbread here and change it out every day. Then there was a curtain back here, and nobody went behind that curtain except the high priest once a year, and then behind that was the Ark of the Covenant. And whenever he, the high priest would go back there and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat, which was sacrificed out here, and take it inside, and then the Shekinah glory of God would come down out of heaven, and the people would feel the forgiveness of God for one more year. Now, this was the tabernacle that they had, and this was given of Moses to the children of Israel, and it's simply called the tabernacle of Moses, or the tabernacle in the wilderness, or whatever it's called, just simply the tabernacle. David wanted to do something greater than just a tabernacle, but the Lord said, no, this will be for your son to do, Solomon. So Solomon later built the temple, but while David lived for 33 years as king in Jerusalem, uh, that is in, in, in Judah, in that province of Judah, while he lived as king, uh, he, this was the tabernacle that he had and that he would always honor God. And this is what David did about that tabernacle. Now notice this. This is why it's called the tabernacle of David. That expression is used sometimes. Look at 16.4. He appointed certain of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord and to record and to thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. Asaph the chief, and then he goes on to name all of these people that he appointed. Going to verse 7. I'm here in 1 Chronicles 16.7. Then on that day, David delivered first his psalms to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. 
David actually wrote a psalm or a song and said to them, this is what you, you're to sing every day. When you come here, I want you to sing. And when you read this all the way through here, I won't take time to do that, but it's all, <coughs> it's all about uh, David praising God, praising him, praises him for everything. And he says, I want this, and I want you to sing, this, I want you to sing this song every morning, and then I want you to do it in the evening. Now I'm going to jump on down to verse 29. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Verse 37. So he left off, therefore, the ark of the covenant of God, Asaph and his brethren, to minister before the ark continually as every day's work required. David said to them, from now on, we're not just going to offer sacrifices and go in there once a year and everything. Every day, you Levites are going to come here and you're going to sing psalms and praise God and worship God and glorify God. And the people all around the tabernacle are going to hear you worshiping the Lord. See, psalms were actually songs that they sang. And they were songs that they sang of worship and praise. And David said, this is what you're going to do. Every morning you do it when you before you ever get started with anything. And then at the end of the day, when you close the day, every evening you do it. Every day he did that. He had them doing it. He had those Levites. They said, well, thank God there's something we can do now instead of just waiting around, you know, for months until our turn comes up to go inside and light the candles and all that kind of stuff. And so he began to give them all of these instructions. Look at verse 40. I'm finishing up here. This is uh, first, uh, first Chronicles uh, chapter 16 and verse 40. To offer burnt offerings unto the Lord upon the altar of the burnt offerings continually morning and evening and to do according to all that is written in the law of the Lord. Praise God, which, which he commanded Israel. And it goes on to say in verse 41, to give thanks to the Lord because of his mercy endureth forever. What I'm trying to point out to you here, folks, is that David discover, discovered the power of praise. And when he began to praise God and have the people of Israel to praise God, God began to bless Israel like they had never been blessed before. Now, this is all found in, uh, in, in the history of studying about Israel. But during the reign of David, Israel flourished 10 times greater, 10 times greater than it had in the 40 years that he was king. 40 years it was seven years over just Judah, and then uh, the next uh, 33 years over all of Israel, he was king. And David would offer these, or have all of these sacrifices made, and he praised them, and he kept writing psalms. He kept telling these, uh, these Levites, sing these songs and, and get the people to praising God. Now, I'm going to say this to all of us here today, folks. It hasn't changed. Because God is still the king of all things. He's the head of all things. He's the maker of all things. He's the creator of all things. Everything needs to praise God. Everything. Uh, there is one psalm where he goes through the whole entire long psalm. And he talks about everything praising God. Because David learned that if we would praise the Lord God would bless Israel. Israel became a mighty nation, one of the most powerful nations on the face of the earth. They'd go into battle. God would give them the victory. Praise the Lord. They'd go into battle and he'd say to the priests, bring the ephod here. 
and bring the ephod there. And he said, now we're going to inquire of the Lord. Ask God, is he going to be with us or not? If he's not going to be with us, we don't want to go into battle. But if he's going to be with us, we'll go into battle. And then we'll get the word from the Lord. You know, go into battle. I'll, I'm with you and everything. And this is the way he operated. God was with him. They blessed him and blessed him. And he grew and grew and multiplied. And I'm telling you here, not only will it happen to us as a church, it'll happen to us as individuals. If you'll make praise a primary thing, I'm going to talk to you a little bit further about it. But praise, folks, is a key factor in the blessings and the goodness and the hand of God upon our lives. A lot of times we want a reason to bless. We want a reason to praise him. You don't have to have a reason. You know, just the fact that you're breathing air, just praise him. The fact that you woke up this morning, praise him. Hallelujah. The, the fact that you've got a home to go back to tonight and lay down your head, praise him. The fact you've got a car to drive, praise him. The fact you're here with clothes on, praise him. The fact you've got some shoes on your feet, amen. There's places where children don't even have shoes and never, they won't hardly have shoes. I mean, I, I haven't been in some of those places, but my son's told me about some of them that he has. Anyhow, you know that. I don't have to tell you that. But I'm just saying we have so much to praise God for. And uh, now, I want you to see uh, number four here. I'm going to move on here. This tabernacle, therefore, came to be called the tabernacle of David because it was a tabernacle not just saying this is what God would have us to do to bring sacrifices and to bring offerings unto him, but also that we would praise him, that we'd praise him. You know, I mean, let's, let's suppose a guy... Let's suppose a guy had, you know, three, uh, I don't know, uh, three cows out here, or bulls or whatever, I guess, three bulls. And said, okay, I need to make a sacrifice to God. I need to offer a bull for a sacrifice to God. Man, I sure hate to offer a sacrifice. Well, he's to be two bulls. And he, you know, down there. David said, no, no, you don't do that. You say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, I mean. Thank you, Lord, that I can offer a sacrifice. You see what I'm talking about? You learn to praise God for his word and his teachings in the law. That's what he learned. Now, that was called the Tabernacle of David. Uh, when Israel failed to praise God, they fell into sin. They fell into sin. When they failed that, they fell into sin. And when they did, they lost the Tabernacle of David. Now, I'm going to go to, uh, if you'll go with me here to... Uh, Amos 9.11. Amos 9.11. Praise God. In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen. Notice that? In that day. Uh, he's talking about another time that will come to pass because Israel had fallen away from God. They did not praise God, did not praise him. The Bible said, in all things, praise the Lord. There's many scriptures about it. And Israel had failed to praise God. They sort of left off the praise. It was going on in the tabernacle, but they themselves were not following suit. They were not following course. And they finally fell into sin. And the Bible in Amos over here, this is after David had already gone on. And in that day, this is verse 11, in that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen. This is 9 and 11 here of Amos. 
and close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old. He's talking about praise. Now, what is he really talking about, though? Talking about raising up what, another tabernacle? What's he talking about? Uh, James explains it in the book of Acts. I'm reading here in the book of Acts. That's in your, your notes right there. The book of Acts. Uh, right here. Acts 15, 16. Everybody there with me? This is James, verse 15. And this is where they're talking about the Gentiles getting saved. And a lot of those Jews in that early church didn't think the Gentiles really should be saved. They didn't think they had a right to be saved. And uh, Paul and Silas just got back and said, hey, or Barnabas, I think it was. Uh, anyhow, they had just got back and said, man, oh man, everything in the world is happening. And these Gentiles all getting saved, talking in tongues. We've been baptizing them in Jesus' name. Their lives are changed and turning around. They're giving up sin, walking with God, serving the Lord. They were just giving a great report. Some of them said, no, 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 no. Finally, Peter got up and said, yeah, God is saving Gentiles. And he talked about Cornelius. And then James in verse 13. And after they had held their peace, James answered saying, and uh, men and brethren hearken unto me. And then James starts talking about the same thing. And then he refers to that verse over in Amos, verse 16. After this, I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. Now, he's quoting here from Amos. And this is what he says in verse 17, that the, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called. Hey, that's us. We're Gentiles of whom the name of the Lord is called. And these Gentiles, praise the Lord, are going to rebuild the tabernacle of David. That's what James is talking about. It won't be just us. It's going to be the Gentiles too. And the tabernacle of David, praise the Lord, is going to where we put praise in the middle of everything. It is what we do. It is how we glorify God. It is how the Lord will bless us. It is how God will always be on our side. Folks, I'm telling you that that praise is a powerful and a wonderful thing. It is. Uh, now, I want to go real quickly back to Luke 19, 37. This is one of our original scriptures that we read in the very beginning. And uh, I want you to go back to that verse of scripture with me here. I'll tell you what. Let me... Uh... All right, yes. Look at Luke 19 there with me for a moment. Look at that 37th verse. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Uh, peace in heaven and glory in his highest. Now, verse 39 is very interesting. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitudes said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Cry out what? Praises unto him. Because first of all, it's recorded in the Bible that it would happen. They're going to praise him and he's going to come in. 
and Jesus Christ is going to fulfill those things. Praise the Lord. So there will be uh, those who will uh, say all those kind of things, talk about it. But it's God's will that we praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, I'm going down. I'm down here at five. I'm fixing to wrap this up now. Uh, it is God's will that we all praise him. Expect some flack sometimes. You might as well understand everybody's not going to be for us praising God. Amen. Everybody's not for it. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that we learned to praise the Lord. When I first found the Lord and I was just down at the altar and I was a 16-year-old young man and I was crying my heart out, praying and just saying, God, forgive me, forgive me. I heard a voice in my ear saying, say praise the Lord. Some sister was praying with me. She said, say praise the Lord. And all of a sudden it got through to me, say praise the Lord. And I said to myself, I can't say that. I don't know how to say it. I never say that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't say praise the Lord. It's just not in my vocabulary. But somebody said, somebody else said, say thank you, Jesus. And I said, I don't, I don't know. These are different words. And I'm, I'm still, and I'm hearing these words coming to me, you know. And finally, I, I, I said it out. Praise the Lord. I said it. And folks, when I did it, I shook all over. I just shook. Oh, my goodness, it felt good. I'd been roller skating the night before, and my knees were all skin up. They were skin up sore, and I was kneeling down on my knees at the altar. And when I, sh when I shook, it hurt. But I said, boy, it sure felt good. <laughs> and I said, I praise you, Jesus. And I shook again. And I said, boy, it hurts the knees, but it sure feels good, what I'm feeling. I said, Thank you, Jesus. And I, I began to praise. And those were words of praise. They used to say glory to God. And they were telling me words of praise, to praise the Lord. And I was coming out of repentance into worship. And as I did that, it wasn't long until I was talking in tongues. I hadn't even been baptized yet. I haven't even, you know. <clears throat> but just obeying what they said to me. Praise the Lord. After a while, next thing I know, the Holy Ghost fell on me and I was up on my feet dancing around, jumping around, praising the Lord, receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then they took me out down to the bio and baptized me in Jesus' name. And salted me down in salt water. I got baptized in salt water. <laughs> Always say I got salted down. Let me move a little further here. But this is what the Lord, praise the Lord, would let us know here. It's God's will that we praise him. Expect some flack sometimes. Praise God when you don't feel like it. Now, let me close out with this one here. Uh, Think I, yeah, I got a little time. Look at Acts 16, 22. Acts 16, 22. Praise God. This is whenever Paul and Silas were in Philippi preaching, and everybody turned against them. They cast out demons. They, one woman was healed, and everybody was happy. And then this woman had a demon in her and they cast her out. People were making money off of her because she was a soothsayer. And they got mad and they caused a big stink and big uproar about it. Look at verse 22. And the multitude rose up together against them, Paul and Silas, against them. And the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded, and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, Folks, I'm talking about horse whipping somebody. I'm talking about pulling your shirt off and beating the daylights out of you with a whip of some type. Beating them with many stripes upon them. 
They cast him into prison and charging the gaoler to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison way inside and made their feet fast in stocks. That means they were not going anyplace. They had some stocks on their feet where they couldn't run. Now, they could have sit right there. Listen to me closely. They could have sit right there and they could have said, man, how did we get in this mess, Silas? Silas could have said, Paul, I don't know. Am I following you? You know, I thought you said God was in this. You said God showed to you to come over to Macedonia, come over and preach to us. Here we are. Look at all this stuff going on. And they could sit there and cry the blues and, oh, my back's hurting. Oh, my back's hurting. Oh, God, please help me. Please help me. Please help me. It doesn't say that. Look at verse 25. And I respect this. I don't know if I'd have done this. I don't know if I would have done this. I would like to think that I would have, but I don't know. I don't know. But God bless these two men, Paul and Silas. Look at verse 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. They prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Hallelujah. Backs hurting, feet in stocks. Glorify and then so began to glorify God and then they began to sing praises unto the Lord and they sang and they sang and they sang and they sang and the prisoners heard them. These prisoners were going, man, these guys, what's wrong with them? They've been beaten half to death and they're in there singing. I can't, I can't believe this. What kind of people is this? Pulling, looking through the bars. I don't know. They're way back in the enterprise. They must have been bad dudes because they're way back in there. But they are singing and they are praising God. And I mean, I don't know and understand it. Verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison was shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. That's the bands on their league, their feet, everything. And uh, verse 27, the innkeepers of the prison awakened out of his sleep and seeing the prison's doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had fled. He thought he was in danger now because he's responsible for them. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we're all here. He, didn't go, he wasn't going anywhere because God was in control. Praise the Lord. And so here is a case where they worship God and they glorified God with all their hearts and God was with them. Now, closing, <coughs> I'm jumping down to verse uh, number six here. Teach your children to praise God. Psalm 78, four. Let me read these last two verses and then we're going to be through here. Psalm 72, four. Praise God. I think I can get there. 78, four, I'm sorry. We will not hide them from their children, showing, uh, showing to the generations to come, this is to the children's children, the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. And then he goes on to say, praise the Lord, I'm going to read here, the, the old age, 104, 33. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. And then the next verse is one that we read a while ago. Praise ye the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. This is 146, 2. Now, while I live, will I praise the Lord I will sing praises unto my God while I have my be be any being. How many are with me on that? Amen. 
I mean, it says, Brother Myers, we're going to praise the Lord. Folks, sometimes you're tired. Sometimes you are hurting. Sometimes you're going through a trial. And you come to the house of God, and the last thing you feel like doing is praising God. And I just tell you here, do it. Just do it. Just say, Lord, I don't understand everything, but I've come to praise you. God bless our praise leaders, the ones who lead us in praise all the time. God bless all of you. Let's stand together. Let's thank him. And I want you to lift your hands and just thank the Lord here tonight for God's goodness. And let's just praise him together. Oh, God, Jesus, Lord, thank you, God, for what you have allowed us to be a part of. You will let us to know, Lord, that we can praise you, glorify you, lift up your name, magnify you, worship you, give you thanks, God. And to do it, God, just as much as we can, as much as we have strength to do it, as much as we feel like it, and not to be backwards about it, not to be held back from doing it, Lord, but we praise you. Thank you for a church that praises the Lord. Thank you for a people, Lord, that praises your name. And God, continue to bless us, Lord Jesus, until you come. Lord, give us great revival in these last days. We know it will come through praising God with all of our hearts, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everybody say praise the Lord. Now, you can do it better than that. Say it again. Praise the Lord. God love you. Amen. You've been a good audience. God bless you.